Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 008. In this episode, we're talking to Fidel Gonzalez, who I met at Ambassador's Training last October. And I believe you'd met Fidel before as well, hadn't you? Yeah, I've met Fidel virtually through the UK WhatsApp group and uh, yeah, got to know him, I suppose, on a, on a virtual sort of presence, which was really great. And, you know, he was very willing to share his experiences with the WhatsApp group. And then I actually had the pleasure of meeting him face-to-face at the 2019 PHC conference. So it was really, it's always really good to meet people face-to-face that you've had this virtual relationship or connection with. Um, And it's always interesting to sort of see and feel the persona and how that matches the persona that they develop online. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'd forgotten he was in the WhatsApp group. So that... Yeah, that WhatsApp group is run by Nicola Howard, and um, so the link, I'm sure we can get permission from Nicola to be able to post that link as well. Great. Fidel has been ketogenic for six years now, and it's improved his quality of life incredibly. Although he's always been fairly active, having been a runner and a gym attender most of his life, he still struggled with weight gain as he aged. At 40 years old, he then had his first hip replacement and was advised not to run after that as running is a high-impact activity and may affect the lifespan of his hip replacement. After his hip rehabilitation, he then took up cycling with a vengeance, which helped him achieve some weight loss, but only to a point. At 46, he then discovered LCHF keto and hasn't looked back since. Well, Jackie, let's roll the tape. Welcome, Fidel, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Why don't you start by one of the questions we like to ask at the beginning is, where in the world are you? I'm in uh, London, in, in Surrey, south of London, in, uh, in the UK, in England. Great. Yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit about your journey and how you got to low-carb, high-fat keto. Um, well, I've always been quite active. Um, active as a young man, I used to do a lot of uh, cycling and running and and uh, gym, going to the gym and weights and stuff. And as I got older, I continued with my activity levels, but started to put on weight, put on excess fat. And I'm thinking, how comes I, you know, I'm doing all this exercise and I'm still, you know, got this middle uh, excess tummy around around, you know, my stomach and 
and I and I was you know I was quite baffled about that. You know, I just kept on and 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 then you know, eventually I I I tried to manage my weight with with exercising more and exercising more, and it just wouldn't happen. And then one day I um. This was, I think it was in 2001. I read that book, uh, The Atkins Revolution. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that one. Um, I was actually in Australia at the time because I went over there to work for six months. I was in Melbourne and I read the book and I didn't quite understand it. I thought this is a bit crazy. How can you give up carbohydrates and, and eat so much protein and fat and, and lose weight? But I tried it and it worked. But I was still dubious. I thought, my, my, I didn't understand it fully. And I thought, oh, this is going to, people would tell me your heart health would go through the roof. You know, you would have really bad heart health. Yeah. You would, uh, you know, affect your arteries badly and your cardiovascular health would be, would suffer from it. So I was very, you know, dubious about continuing it. And, and I, and I stopped it. And then when I stopped it, hence the weight came straight back on. I tried and running and more and more and more. And then in 2007, I started, when I used to go out and run, I used to get a pain in my hip, really bad pain. And I thought, there's something's wrong here. And I went for a couple x-rays, just came back, ligament damage, do some stretching, went to physiotherapist, do some more stretching. And I thought, this is, no, I need, I need to get a bit more in-depth uh, look at this. So eventually I assisted, insisted in the chest and they gave me an uh, MRI of the area, and they realized I suffered from early onset of osteoarthritis. Mm. I think I was 39 when I was diagnosed with that. It's called a, a, a condition called femoral acetabular impingement. It's like little nodules, arthritic nodules, grow on the ball of the hip around the bone. And, um, yeah, the, the, the prognosis was basically we can they can do some sort of reconstructive cleaning of it but that may not that may not last that long and the other result would be a full hip replacement mm -hmm. so they did this first operation and it didn't really help that much it was okay for about six months and then eventually in 2008 i had my left hip replaced yeah and the the, the surgeon said to me listen you know you've got you've got to keep your weight down that's really important to keep your weight low because that's what affects the, the, the longevity of the hips. So you need to manage your weight quite well. And he said, but I would not suggest you going back to running because running is a high impact uh, activity and it's going to damage your hips even quicker. You, I might need to replace your hips in five years instead of 15 or 20 years. Mm. Then you're a young man, but you know, effectively I'm going to give you a type of hip replacement that we're going to be able to work on it again as a revision because you're probably going to need, need another one some point in your life so i had that done and then i had the right one done about 18 months later so at that point i weighed about just under 110 kilos about 17 stone it's the heaviest i've ever been and obviously the surgeon was you know he was he was very much you need to manage your weight for the success of these injuries to of success of the hip replacements to to, to, to be successful so I thought, what am I going to do here? He said, look, you, you can row as much as you want, you can uh, cycle as much as you want, because they're all low impact. They won't affect your hips at all. They won't strain the, the joint at all. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take up cycling again. I used to cycle when I was younger quite a lot, but then I stopped. So I bought myself a bike, 
and in 2009, I vigorously started cycling again. And the, and the weight dropped off to a point. Um, I was attending the gym and I was attending a couple of boot camps. And then I went to one boot camp and I met this trainer who was ex, ex Marines. And he was, uh, told me he was doing this particular way of eating where he wasn't eating much carbs and he, and I said, Oh, uh, that's pretty interesting. That's, and you're pretty lean. Can you tell me a bit more about that? And then he showed me the, the art and science of low carbohydrate performance. That book. I bought yeah. that book. Just I read enough. it and that was it. From then on, it just completely, it went, you know, and that was, this was in 2014. And I, well, after I read that book and I fully understood it because before I didn't understand exactly what, with the Atkins, how it worked. But with, from reading that book and the way Rollick and Finney explained it so well, the science behind ketones and fatty acids and how you metabolize different things and how you need to switch your, your energy substrates. Basically, if you eat fat, you become a fat burner. And if you eat carbs, you're, you remain a glucose burner. And once I fully understood that, I just ran with it. And I, I really got lean then. I dropped down. I think, you know, I went down from basically from about I must have lost about, went from 109 kilos down to about 77 kilos in about six months, I think it was. And yeah, I've just, you know, I've just remained on it since then. It's just, it's been a journey that, uh, you know, I don't just get, it's not just managing my weight. I've never had an issue. Maybe at Christmas time, I might put on 10 pounds that lasts for six weeks. And then I just go back to strict keto again and then I lose it again. So I've, it's never been. I think since 2014, I've never had more of a fluctuation of 10 pounds, so about four kilos maybe. Yeah. And that's just because I decide to go on a holiday or eat a bit non-keto for a while or non-low-carb um, and the weight comes on and then I just fast or go back on strict keto and it, and it goes back goes back to my normal body weight again. Yeah. So, this, so, this, what, was the, so, so sorry, what was the difference between – you were saying about in 2001 when you read the um, the Atkins, the new you book, I'm, I'm assuming that it was the revised edition with Westman, yeah. Westman and Atkins. And then obviously between that, that was in 2001 and then 2014 with the, the Finney and Volick book. So yeah. you, you had, what, two hip replacements, you put on a lot of weight. Yes. And I was something else, was there something else that sort of was you were more ready for? I think I was, science. yeah. Yes, I think I was more ready for the science and to understand it fully. With the Atkins book, it explains about the induction phase and then the maintenance phase, but I don't think it fully explains the the science behind uh, why it works and the e- efficacy of it. I think with the Volick and Finney, they, they do explain that. And and I, I think, personally, I think the, the art and science of low-carbohydrate performance is an easier read than the art and science of low carbohydrate living, because that's sort of geared towards more health health practitioners, and it's a bit more in depth. Whereas the performance book is quite concise; it, it just it goes through things quite pretty straightforward, and it's easier to understand. Because I read both of them, and I was I found the, the performance one was a lot easier to read, a lot easier to understand, and um, yeah, it worked a lot. But I mean, as soon as I read it, it just made sense to me, you know. I had to get out of this paradigm that no, we need carbs to exercise. We need carbs for long endurance exercising or else we'll, 
we'll get low blood sugar and we won't be able to exercise and we'll faint and all this sort of yeah so that's what i was going to say is there's lots of people out there who believe that you have to be a sugar burner and you have to load up on carbs yeah and they just don't get it they just don't believe it i guess is the yeah way. so how did you it, it, overcome it, it that took, it, it, it took me a while because i was training a lot and i was using a, a stationary bike in the mornings and i was struggling through it when i went keep uh quite strict keto and I was watching really really limiting my carbs and uh, moderately uh, moderately eating protein and the rest of my calories I was just eating fat you know lots of fat I was struggling and it took me quite a long while because I the type of exercise I was doing in the mornings it was quite aggressive it was quite anaerobic where I'm really taking my heart rate high and I was struggling for a long I would say for at least 10 weeks and I but I kept on because I was from from looking at stuff on YouTube, uh, presentations from uh, Volek, Vinny Noakes, Dominic Diagostini, you know, lo- lots of different uh, keto ad- advocates. They were saying you need to, sometimes to get fully adapted, fat adapted, it can take, you know, quite quite a long time. And it gets better as you go along. And then it was about a 10, 10 to 11 week point, I felt a switch. I literally was fasted. I went in. And I started working out and I felt like after about 20 minutes, I felt like a, a new gear come in and I could really go push hard, get my heart rate up high, have, you know, and just, just, it was, it was really, really good. And on top of that, at the end of a standard workout, I would always be achy and pain. I would last for two or three days. Once I become keto adapted, I would, I would recover really quickly. Obviously, because I'm producing ATP from, from keto, from fatty acid, so the, the oxidative stress is a lot less in your body, so, you know, it's less lactate build up. I was, I was performing so much better, and, and, and that was what, what sold me, and then I started, just, yeah, um, I started trying to spread the word to everybody I knew. <laughs> my heart. At that point, my wife was sort of um, playing around with low carb. She would eat low carb breakfast sorry uh carbs at breakfast maybe some carbs at lunch and then cut out the carbs at, at dinner and she she lost weight she was feeling really good but she kept she got to a plateau and i said to her you know you're sort of like you're in no, no man's land i think you're sort of playing with a bit of glucose and you're not you're, you're not you're not taking yourself low enough to, to get the benefits of ketones the ketone yeah. production and then she started giving up the grapes and giving up some of the bread and the banana and stuff. And then she started to feel, oh, yes. And then she got really slim and she's, yeah, and she's fully keto now, has been since about 2016. Yeah. Is the rest yeah. of the family, the rest of the family keto as well or low carb? My, my daughter's sort of low carbish. My son, not at all. He's extremely insulin sensitive. He's really skinny. He eats anything he eats. He's only, 14 he's going to be 15 in two weeks but um at that age i was like that too so i said to him you know there might come a point in your life some people stay insulin sensitive all their lives and they can eat what they want and they don't really put on weight and it's not just all about the weight though is it you know so um but he 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 doesn't want to he he doesn't want to do it sure yeah but my daughter she she does she she does it incrementally she does it now and again yeah Mm. Yeah, I yeah. have that with my boys that one get, does it sometimes and one doesn't. 
and they they both mostly cut out potatoes and grains and everything with their supper, so we just have meat and two two green veg. Yeah. But I did say to them, if in ten years' time you're starting not to feel well, remember what I'm doing now. Because yeah. you know, I don't I might not be around to remind them. Yes, so. yeah. My mum was probably my biggest uh my biggest not not her she was very hard to, to, to switch, really hard because she's been told specific things by her doctor and you need to include carbs and you have she was diabetic. Diabetic, type two diabetes, Crohn's disease, quite bad depression and anxiety. And I kept on saying, Mum, please try it, please try it. No, the doctor says I shouldn't do that, I need to take this and I need to do that, and I need to that. Eventually she tried it. And that was it. She lost loads of weight. She, she, which, her HbA1c went from like nine to like 4.7 or 4.8. Her Crohn's symptoms were reduced down to nearly nothing. I'm not saying they've gone, but they've, there were a lot, she has a lot less attacks than she used to. Yeah. At one point she was, she was producing loads of, like, some, some, I, I've never produced that. I used to measure my blood ketones in the beginning. And I would get like 1.5 to, if I have a really long fast with a long ride, I'd get, I think the highest I've ever got is 2.5. She was getting like 4.8 and 5s and 5.5s and yeah, and she said she was feeling really good. She was going on a long fast, three, four day fast. And so, um, yeah, she changed her life because of Keto. It really has helped her. So I'm really yeah. happy about that. That's really, really pleasing. Huh? That yeah. is, that is an amazing result. But just remember, yeah. it's not, it's not, a competition. The ketones no. are not a competition. Okay, so yeah, um. yeah, yeah. I, I've actually really, I, I've learned to to, 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 uh, to realize that because yeah, it's not about getting the number high. It's basically about the benefits you get from from eating a certain way and living a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Less inflammation, less oxidative stress, more energy, constant energy, not this blood sugar. Roller coaster you get on when you. I mean, there was a point there when I would eat breakfast, eat a snack, eat lunch, eat another snack. On the way home, I'll be calling my wife saying, I'm stopping to get six donuts or this and that. We're going to have coffee and donuts when I get home. <laughs> have that and then have another meal in the night. It was just a constant. It was just, yeah. I was like a slave to food. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's what, that. that's, that's one of the biggest people, you know, I tell them weight loss is just an added benefit. It's just like a, it's just like a side benefit. Mm, mm. You know, it's actually, it's how you, it's the energy levels you get and, and how you feel and you sleep better and, and your cognitive benefits. You're so much more in tune with your thoughts. And, you know, I just had an exam last week, quite an important exam for my full time job. So I can get certification for another five years. So I can get on construction sites. I just fasted for like a day. And, uh, I took some, I took a couple, I took a shot of, uh, exogenous ketone salts. And in the exam, I was like, I was on fire. <laughs> Finished really quick and passed like 97, 97%. I think I got, I was really, you know, pleased. So what was the difference between when you were a sugar burner and cycling and now that you're a fat burner and cycling? One of the biggest differences, when I left the house as a sugar burner, I would have least for because uh, the average ride is about three hours on a weekend you go out for about three hours four hours depends on the what club you meet or what the abilities of the other riders are but generally i would go out for three four hours 
and I'd always have, for a three, four hour ride, I would have a bottle of LucasAid type mixed drink. Yeah. Uh, or two of those. That's, so that's about 800 calories right there in, in liquid sugar. And I would also have about seven or eight gels. And each gel is like 100 calories of fructose glucose mixture for energy because you bonk. It's called, it's called bonk, bonking. You basically, after you run out of glycogen on the ride, maybe two, three, an hour and a half, an hour, you but you go into a lull and you need that energy. Yeah. Now, since I've been keto, I never, ever take fuels going out. I take water, I might stop for black coffee, and that's it. On a on a really, really, really long event, I do eat, I, eat, I will eat carbs. I'll, I'll, I'll mix it. I'll mix it with carbs and I'll have a uh, Vespa. Have you heard of Vespa? No. Vespa's like a, um, a peptide. The guy who who wrote a small for, uh, small forward in the Art and Science of Performance that book, his name is Peter De- uh, Defty, and he he manages a company called Vespa, and it's basically a the extract of a a wasp, a mandarin wasp, and that it's a peptide you take, and it helps you metal oxidize fat for mm. athletes. Uh, but it also works when you, if you're fat adapted and you've got also also eat a little bit of carbs, it works really well. So on long events, as in like a 12-hour event or 24-hour event, I will take, I will eat some carbs. I'll eat some fats and carbs and I'll use some Vespa as well. Yeah. But generally, but if you're just doing a three or four... Never, ever, ever. I've gone out on a six-hour ride, eight-hour ride, up to eight hours. I think my longest, fastest ride was uh, about nine hours, and that's just on black coffee and water. Yeah. And lots of um, salt tablets, mineral tablets, and lots of water. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, it's a, a huge difference. Less, I spend less, I eat less, <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoy the ride more. You know, people, I'm riding with guys with sugar burners, and they can't believe it. They, th- they think I'm on some sort of a Lance Armstrong drug or something because they think, how can you ride for so long? And we're stopping to eat every hour, and we're they're eating a gel or eating a, a cake or whatever. And I'm just drinking water and having a black coffee. Would you say your speed has increased? Not really, no. No. No, not really. Not the speed, but the endurance has, for sure. Yeah. The speed hasn't, no. With uh, races, I, 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 I have a bit of carbs the night before. I, I do have a bit of carbs. Because I find um, sometimes in a race, your heart rate, you're getting, you're getting up to like 190, 180, 190 beats. That's nearly maximum. And when you eat carbs, you, you kind of dual fuel. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got the glycogen. You don't necessarily use the glycogen until you really, really need it. But, um, I find you, you tend to, you tend to perform slightly better when you have a bit of carbs as well. Yeah. When you say you have carbs, what sort of carbs are they? Usually potato. White because potato I, or sweet potato? A mixture of both. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause I find, um, if I'm going to choose a carb, I want to choose one that's closest to the source. And although potatoes are starchy and they might really spike your blood sugar, a potato, you pick it and you eat it. Yeah. Whereas rice, pasta, bread is quite highly processed. It goes through a whole process to make it edible or, or what we, we eat as what people eat. But whereas potato, you can literally grow it in your garden. Yeah. And eat that. But I also, I always make sure when I eat the potato, I'm eating it with lots of fat. So it sort of slows down the glycemic load a bit, you know? So if I'm having a potato, 
or a sweet potato or both mixed. I'll have it with loads of butter and cheese. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I miss my potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we we have days where we eat all and sundry, but um, I don't. You know, I, I don't feel good. I feel good eating it and tasting it, but within four or five hours, I'm I'm not feeling that great. I'm lethargic. I'm sleepy. I'm not feeling good. So they don't last long. Those days last. And people think, oh, don't you miss this? Don't you miss that? Yeah, but I don't starve myself of eating. You know. Junk, junk food, for want of a better word. I, I still eat it, but um, very rarely, you know, on, on occasion. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, so and I don't miss it because I know I, I feel so good sticking to a low-carb, stroke keto way of eating, you know? No. What's a usual day for you what, in terms of eating? So what, what, would, you, what would you normally um, eat on a I, normal day? I fast every day, uh, intermittent fast every day. I just, um, but I do it instinctively. So on days I'm feeling good, I'll do a 20 to 4, 21 to 3, 22 to 2, 23 to 1. It depends how I feel on that particular day. I generally never have a day where I eat three meals. I don't ever eat three meals, like wake up in the morning, have breakfast. I don't ever do that. On the weekends, with the family, I may wake up and by 12 o'clock I'll have eggs, bacon, you know, sort of like a, uh, a ketogenic breakfast or brunch, and then I'll eat again at seven or eight o'clock. But generally, during the week, it's usually like seven o'clock the night before. So I wake up in the morning, have black coffee, water, sparkling water, train. If I'm working, off to work, uh, fast while I'm working, and then when I get home at about five or six, I'll eat again. But there's no calories in between. Mm. Just black coffee and water. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I'm in, I, I'm involved in a couple of groups, family groups and close friends groups, uh, just like the um, London Keto group, uh, but but obviously a lot smaller because they're just family and close friends who have who have decided to they want to sort of try that keto primal you know low carb way of eating. Uh, and that, that's really encouraging because you get a lot of, um, people who, you know, this girl, she, she's been three weeks now, she started keto and she, she messaged me yesterday saying, I think I'm doing this wrong. And I said, why? And she said, because I woke up and I'm, I've got like this buzzing feeling and I'm not hungry. <laughs> and I said, no, no, that's because you're, you are doing it right. She said, I thought you were eating fat. And I, and I says, yeah, you, you, you do eat fat, but if you're feeling like that, that's because your body's burning fat now and you're producing ketones and you're feeling good and you don't need to eat because your body's realized it's got enough energy as adipose. So you can, you, 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 you know, and she's like, Oh my God, I feel absolutely amazing. This is fantastic. And so it's really encouraging to hear when people dis- discover the benefits of eating this way, you know? I love to hear that, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. 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 And you're also part yeah. of the the PHC ambassadors group as well. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. I did I did a couple small groups at work because I was working for a company called um, Multiplex. So it's actually an Australian company, quite a big company. It's a multinational company. They've got um, jobs all over the world. Just before the lockdown, unfortunately, I, I lost my job because they they started laying uh, to lay people off. But while it's there, they've got a really good culture there. It's a construction site but they've got really good culture with regards to um, mental health and physical health 
and um, good atmosphere in the workplace. And um, I asked my project director if, if they would be up for like a little low carb group sort of thing. And I brought in some of the pamphlets from PHC and I went through some of the stuff with some of the people on site and they were really interested in it's, it. You're surprised to see how many people don't realize what they eat is actually not, not that great. You know, what they've been told to eat by the eat well plate and all the standard eat well guides from the US and Canada and the UK. When they actually look into it, there's a lot of, uh, of, um, in, you know, conflicting information telling you to eat certain amounts of, um, portions of carbs and that. When you, 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 when you look at the people who actually, um, who the authors of the Eat World Plate in the, U, in the UK, a lot of them have got, they're all, they're tied to other companies like, you know, Kellogg's and some of the, the cereal companies and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. There is a lot of vested interest in there. Yeah. Yeah. Management. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It is. It is. It's a, as they say, follow the money, you know? Yeah. Somebody sent me a, a message yesterday about, um, game changers and what the, what the hell are those two documentaries saying? Oh, what you're doing is maybe wrong because I just saw these documentaries and they're, they're saying that meat's really bad for you and this and that. So, well, if you look behind who actually made those documentaries, they're, Vegan advocates who may be quite biased in their, in their, um, you know, their information and their opinion. Isn't Game Changers the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. And he has a pea yeah. protein farm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's going to yeah. want, want to sell it and want to promote it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a fascinating world, nutrition and health and, you know, there's so much money. It's such a an industry with so much money. You know, weight loss has been around since oh, how long? You know, there's Weight Watchers, there's Jenny Craig, there's there's so many of them. You know, yeah. my last job where I was working, uh, they, they could not believe what I ate. They used to see me come in, and if I was eating any avocado, they say, "Oh, are there uh, Weight Watchers?" And that's too many points. Or what's this? there's one that's you get you get points for different foods or sins or whatever. Yeah, slimming world. Slimming world. Slimming world mm. and what they were mm. told to eat. And do you know what? I'm not, I'm not, with all due respect to them, they, they wouldn't, they would go in and weigh on a Monday, lose a pound, lose two pounds, and then by the end of the week, they've got it back on again and it would go up and down, up and down, up and down. And they would try their hardest on this diet with the sins and that. And, and I was trying to explain to them, how can you, a, a food that's been around for thousands of years, like red meat, chicken, fish, poultry, Avocados, all natural food, you know, because they would be told to eat eat like a chicken breast with no skin on it at all, no fat, all low fat, a big portion of uh, uh, baked potato with margarine on it. And I was like, oh my god, this yeah. is just, you know. And you just, it's sad. I often wonder, you know, what damage is being done when when yeah. I when I think of what I did to myself over the years with those diets is yeah, just incredible. Yeah. That we actually yeah, yeah. believe it all. Or we believed do, yeah. it all. <laughs> Don't yeah, believe it yeah. anymore. Yeah. My whole, my whole extended family uh, suffer from, on my maternal side, suffer from metabolic issues, either diabetes or cardiovascular, coronary, coronary disease. We've yeah. got, we've got quite, quite a high hereditary gene for it. So I've got to be careful. I've actually done a, a 
coronary calcium score scan and I came up quite high, came up 400. Right. Yeah. Spoke to Ivor Cummings and spoke to the chap in the States. He's a, Dave. Uh, Dave Feldman. Not Dave Feldman. It's, it's the Indian, Indian cardiologist. Nadir. Nadir Ali. Nadir Ali about it. And I've had, I've had two actually. I've had one I, I paid for and then I was, I was part of a master athlete study at the University of, um, London at St. George's Hospital. Uh, and, and I did two coronary calcium score scans and, uh, but they did say that they, they're quite stable, stable deposits. So the, the study they had at, at London Hospital, London University, um, was to actually, there's a hyper, hyper, hypothesis that, that master athletes who do a lot of, um, endurance and anaerobic type exercising have a higher calcium, coronary calcium score scan because it's quite a lot of inflammation, the type of exercising they're doing. So, yeah, so. Could be so, from that. That's why I was, but, yeah, it could be from that. Yeah. Yeah. Does that also mean that you're like a, a lean hyper responder, like the, the Dave Feldman? No, well, I don't think so because my, my lipids, they, when I first went keto, they did go a bit wayward, you know, they did go quite high, the LDL went quite high and stuff, but, uh, subsequently they've normalized or what we call, what they call normalized now. Yeah. My, my HDL is high. My triglycerides are low. My, um, my LDL is sort of, yeah, not too bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I did a, a sub, I did a, uh, subfraction analysis, yeah, and 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 it came up fine. It was right. more okay. more large, larger, fluffy, fluffy. So yeah, I was also going to ask yeah. about um, having had the two hip replacements, and obviously you know being long term keto now. You know, how's your chronic pain? You know, as for yeah, for the hip pain, much more manageable. Yeah, it's not not really the yeah the actual hip pain. No, don't get any hip pain at all. I can walk for I do a score every year. An annual check because it's a the consultant that did, did did my hip replacements is a guy called Mr. Fields. He works at the Epsom Epsom and St Helier's Trust. He's really really good. If you Google him, he's one of he's really really good because he actually develops hips, different types of hips, and he actually sells the patent to other uh, other places like across in the states and stuff. So he develops a specific hip for young people that. Uh, with a view, you can do a revision on it in, later on in your in the lifespan of the, of the hip. So he, he what he did is it's called a mini mini pitch um, hip. It's just a small ball ball and a small just a small neck. It's not the it's not the whole full neck. Yeah, not full neck. Um, so every year I, I asked if I wanted to sign up for this review, and every year I do a review on it, and they ask you what your score pain is because it's zero basically. And I've had them, the last one I had 10 years ago. Yeah, the first one was 11 years ago, and then a, a year and a half later I had another one. So mm. it's been 10 years now, and it, they're, they're fine. So, and you won't be you won't be expecting to replace them for, a, what, another 5 to 10? So that yeah, 20 years I, I, is a long time to have a have an artificial joint. Yeah, I, I'm hoping 20 years, but we'll see, yeah. Mm. I, I think the cycling has helped because it, it, it obviously it's low impact, but at the same time, you're strengthening all the ligaments and muscles around Definitely. the hip itself. So, it, yeah, it's, it's been really good. It's been really, really mm. good. I was really, really frightened at first that I was thinking at such a young Same age, man. unless I was 39, I'd have a hip replacement. 
you know, I was really worried, and but it worked out okay, yeah. Right. Yeah. So apart from the Finney and Volick, in terms of you know what other um, podcasts or other resources that I suppose you, this part of your journey now, I mean, you're quite well. I suppose you know a keto veteran. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Oh, the podcast is Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Moore. Jimmy. Jimmy Moore. Ivor Cubbins. The blue, the the blueprint, uh, primal blueprint. Yeah. Primal blueprint. Two keto dudes was the first one actually I listened to, but they've yeah that two keto dudes. I think that's it for my yeah. Oh, oh J- Jason Fung. Jason yeah. Fung. I used to listen to a lot of his and and, and Megan Ramos. Yeah. I've read quite a lot of the different books. Nina Tyshaw's book, Mark Hyman's book, Joseph Kraft, Joseph Kraft, mm. the uh, Diabetes and You. That's a really good book. Tim Noakes' book. Who else? Yeah, I look at a lot of presentations and I look at a lot of YouTube, YouTube stuff. Uh, Robert Lustig and yeah, Ivor Cummings, Dave Feldman, uh, Nadir Ali. Yeah, so many of them. Yeah, I just, yeah, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to go to a conference if I could afford it one day. Uh, you know. I'd love to be able to go to one of the conferences. I, I, I was, the, I, I was hoping the they would have one here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was hoping they'd yeah. have one in the UK. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm, I went. Obviously, the PHC one was great, mm-hmm. but I was hoping for another, you know, big one. Bigger yeah. one. I, I, I did ask Brian. Oh, the Keto Evangelist. I did ask mm-hmm. Brian Williamson if they would ever ever have one in the UK, and he said they they would consider it maybe in the future if it gets any bigger. But this pandemic has put put a damp on everything really isn't it yeah yeah it's in, it's interesting to see some of what of uh, what uh asim malotra has been posting lately with regards to covid uh and the coronaviruses and the management of the symptoms or even contracting the virus with regards to metabolic health and how important it is to be metabolically healthy from eating Specific, you know, a certain way. Uh, yeah, he, he is he is making some inroads, but I think he's yeah, a long way to go. He is a long way to go. He's yeah, he's up against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's certainly he, been he, quite interesting having a look at um, you know the certain groups in the populations, like you said, those that are really metabolically unwell, those that were yeah. with high blood pressure and diabetes, and what was particularly sad being so you know conscious of. Who has those those particular symptoms? And it was the the BAME groups, and yeah. you know, that, that was when the Public Health England, I think, did an analysis on on the COVID deaths and with the with the BAME um, groups and having a look at what was the the incident rates and how high that was in those particular groups. Yeah, well, they think there's a correlation yeah. with vitamin D, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And I, that was I, actually I, I, that's yeah. that's who I went to see. Because when I, obviously my, my, my maternal side of the family have all suffered from coronary disease. My mum's had a bypass. My uncle, two uncles have one uncle, massive heart attack and passed away. My grandparents, both, both of them had heart attacks, maternal grandparents. So I thought with my previous history of eating, let me just go and get it. Even although at that point I was keto for about four, four years, three years. I did when got the, got it done on my off my own back, 
And when it came back 470, I was like, wow, this is a pretty high score. Well, not super high, but it is in, at a high risk. It's, it's considered oh, over 400 is considered, you know, at risk of having some sort of, you know, coronary issues. So I actually went to see Asim and he just said, look, looking at it, you know, all your other um, risk factors are really good. You know, your blood pressure, your resting heart rate, your your body mass, uh, um, your body fat, your visceral fat, because I had doctor scans and stuff. Of, you know, so he looked at everything and he thought that, you know, it's probably your previous history, although nobody can be sure of it, it's probably from your previous history. So just continue to do what you're doing, you know. And then the second scan, they actually looked at it a bit more in depth, uh, and they found that the, the, all the, the, the deposits were stable. So it sort of um, it sort of coincided with their hypothesis that it's probably from the aggressive exercise and probably got that that, that type of calcification. What was the um, time lapse between the first scan and the second scan? It wasn't long. It was only about a year. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, it, was only, it wasn't long. It was only about a year. But I'm, I'm going to get one another one done probably. I'm 50, it's going to be 53 in December, so I'll get one done. I'll probably get one done in five years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned about um, actually taking the exogenous ketones. Well, what's the what's the reason that you take the take them? I find when I take the exogenous ketones. It gives me a bit more extra power on the bike. I can suffer a bit, bit, bit longer. <laughs> it gives me that because I, I get like a definitely get that ability to dual fuel. You know, you can you can you can go really high because you I, I take it with glucose. I take some ketones and glucose together. Not not together, but I mean within this just before. Like I'll take some glucose probably an hour before I work out. And then I'll take some ketones about 20 minutes before I work out. And then with that, I'll get really good performance. When I'm racing, I usually, usually do that combination. I've tried a couple of ketone salts, uh, which I don't like. They're really hard to, to, to consume. And you don't absorb as much. You don't seem to get as much, you don't get as much out of them. But the ketone esters are really good, but they're right. expensive. Expensive. They're expensive. Yeah. yeah you get, uh, a pack of 12 bottles, like $300, $350 American dollars. Uh, but whereas the ketone sorts, you get a bottle for like 60 pounds. So you only use those when you're racing, I guess. Yeah, racing. Or I had an exam last week. I took some ketone sorts before that. That helped with my cognitive concentration. But I don't take it all the time because it's too expensive to take all the time. I just take it when I, when I think I'm, I'm going to best use it, you know. Yeah. Mm. So this, there's, this is competitive. There's, there's, this is competitive cycling. Like this is actually yes, yes. for competitive and cycling. It was a lot more last year and the year before, but this year we haven't been able to compete because of the pandemic. You know, British cycling have closed down all races. UK time trialing have closed down all races. So it looks like nothing's going to happen until probably September, if that. They may they may just stop it because the season stops in October, November, and then stops until the next year. So it may not happen until next year. But you've been shame. out on your bike. I've seen you photos of oh, you yeah, out on yeah, your bike. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll go on my bike. When we finish this podcast, I'll probably go. I'll probably go and do. I may go out, out, out on the road. If not, I'll go into my. I've got a little studio set up with a stationary bike. 
I'll go in there and, and, and go out there, go in there for a little while, yeah. Yeah. So have you had any aha moments on your journey? When you say, what do you mean by aha? Like, well, uh, something that just really surprised you that you didn't expect or either some benefits or results that you've seen that have thought, ah, oh, didn't expect that. Yeah, I think one benefit I did get that I didn't think I would, I would get on eating, just changing the way I eat, is um, how good you feel. Your mood, as in your, you know, your mood, you wake up in the morning, you're happy, you, you know, you, you feel good about the life, it's uh, in general. You know, I didn't think I'd you'd get that out. I think, yeah, okay, you'd lose some weight, feel, uh, you'd look better in clothes. But no, I mean, I really feel, you know, I can, I can tell some mornings I wake up and I go out for a ride and I feel really, really good. You appreciate the na- nature so much more, you know, things like that. You know, you wouldn't think that it would change the way you, you look at nature. You look across and you really appreciate some, the way the wind's blowing across some leaves and the sky and that. And you, you really seem to appreciate that so much more, you know. Those yeah. are the little things you, you think, you know, wow, this is really good, you know. <laughs> okay. I've got, I've got one friend, Peter, who had um, COPD mm-hmm. and um, some other health issues. And he has taken Keto on board and he is like a, an ambassador now. He is just like really gone full fledged. He's got his own family group. He's, he's come to a couple of the London keto meetups and he has just gone. And do you know, he's one of the only persons I know. I think he told me the other day, it's been nearly two years. He hasn't even had one cheat meal wow. in two wow. years. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's how much it's changed his life. Literally. He said to me, which really makes me feel, he says, Fidel, this has saved my life. It's not just changed my life, it's saved my life. You know, what I've got out of this way of eating. I never thought that what changing the way I eat would change my whole outlook in life. That was like That's an hour when you hear something that it encourages you to keep continue on the journey, you know, and continue it and, and help, you know. And it feels good that you've, you've helped somebody. Yeah, it does. It really feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and he doesn't realize how much I actually get out of that as well, because sometimes I'm not, well, I, I feel a bit oh, down sometimes. And obviously I, I've had a bad day the day before. I've eaten some rubbish, whatever. And seeing some of his posts and some of his messages he sends to me and that really reaffirms, you know, this is, this is a great way to be, you know, a great way to, to, to eat it, to live. Yeah. Yeah. But how how good is it having your um like you especially your wife you know on board and obviously your daughter who dips her toe in and out and then obviously you've got yeah. your mum how those close knit supports is is that still important to you? Yes, definitely is. Yeah, yeah. I would say actually my wife keeps me on track more than I keep her on track. Yeah, I think she's more because you know that I once heard a podcast with uh, I can't remember I think it was Jimmy Moore and it was somebody who was a uh, some. Sort of, like a psychologist or something, and they were saying basically there was there's two types of people. There's um moderators and there's abstainers. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm an abstainer. I yeah. can abstain, but if I if I don't, it's all. Yeah. Yep. That's Louise. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. That's me. I'm an absolute That's me. all or nothing. Yeah. My daughter's an abstainer. She she's very much she's she's really good, strict. But when she goes off the rails, she goes off the rails like me. Yeah. And my my wife is a complete moderator. She would go in and she would have a piece of cake 
eat no. it once and then that be and I said, mm. Is that it? And she said, Yeah, that's fine, that's all I need. And my son, same way, that's why he's, he doesn't have an issue with, you know, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible how you see, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm a mother. I don't know how they do it. I don't right. know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> even when I, even when before I was keto, I would buy a huge bar of fruit and nut or dairy milk and I'd just have one strip. And my friend would say, how can you do that? How can you not eat the whole packet? And I'd quite often throw away packets of chocolate where I've oh, left it for so long. Sacrilege. Yeah. yeah. Well, but that's no. like the, that's like the no packet of Tim Tams, you know, the packet of Tim Tams. Obviously, I know that there are 11 Tim Tams in that packet. And he asked me how I know because, you know, there are 100 calories each and then, you know, 11 times, you know, 100 calories was obviously, you know, when you were dieting and you're restricting and yes. you know, that was your, your yeah. full allocation full was allocation. this whole packet. <laughs> So I'm pretty sure that penguins are the same, you know, in terms yeah, of how yeah. you're in a packet and, you know, the, the calorific um, content yes. on it. But once I start, once I open up that packet, it's all or nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, know, I, I think for me eating this way, it's helped me re-examine. I'm not saying I'm, because I'm not. I'm not I, perfect. I've had to re-examine. I'm not perfect. Yeah, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I've had to re-examine my relationship with food. With food. Because mm-hmm. food, like other Forms, vices, gambling, drugs, alcohol, Absolutely. definitely is a, you know, I've got to really it's watch it. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And carbohydrates, starchy mm-hmm. and sugar. I think with me, Absolutely. it's actually more starchy. I, I, I crave highs and, um, and pasta and, you know, things like that. And, and, you know, to me, they're just as much as, 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 as with sugary, uh, carbs in general you know once i start on that 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 roller coaster you know mm. uh, yeah it's not it it's hard to get back it's hard to get yeah it's for that day anyway because once i start mm. on that day i'll eat rubbish for the day but what i my my mental the way i manage it is oh, i'll fast tomorrow i'll be all right you know and i'll just i'll just give it all or nothing tomorrow um yeah so when you have days like that where you've i hate saying fall off in the wagon where you've yeah. Eaten off plan, is yes. what we say. When you say you get back on through fasting, is that just your normal 20 to 23 hour fasting or yeah. do you do any longer fasts? No, no. I, I would do a longer fast after I've been keeper for quite a while. Yeah. Then I would do a longer fast because I'm more in, in the frame of mind of fasting. I'm more like, you know, I haven't had glucose, heavy glucose load for quite a while, so I wouldn't have that, you know, I think I won't have that many pangs, you know, those, those hunger, you know, hunger pangs. So I would usually do a, a long fast when I built up and said, you know what, from Tuesday I'm going to start a long fast. But I'd be, I'd be quite strict. Ment- it helps me mentally as well. And so yeah. how long, how long? But say, saying that, when I do, do have an off day, when I do have an off day and I eat a lot of non-keto foods, high carb foods, the next day, if I go and exercise, I exercise really, really good <laughs> because I've got that glycogen load as well um, in my muscles and mm. liver. So um, I've got both, you know, but I, I, but I can get back into ketosis so quickly, you know, nah. so, so quickly. You know, I, using, I can be, yeah. using up sure. the sugar, using up the glucose mm. as you're It's really quick, yeah. I mean, one hour of intensive up and down interval riding will probably get you back there in one hour. It's that quick, you know, because you're, 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 you're using, you know, your heart rate's going up to 80, 90%. Yeah. 
every ten, every five or ten minutes, you know, for an hour. So it gets you there quick. So when you do longer fasts, yeah, how long do you do them, and how often? I haven't done many this year. Last year, year before, and year before that, I was doing, I would say, once a month, uh, and they would range from forty-eight to seventy-two. I haven't gone, I haven't gone beyond seventy-two because I've always, I'm always exercising quite a lot. Yeah, and um, to, yeah, I, I find it's harder for me to get over seventy-two. I'm not, I can't get beyond that. But that would mean probably that would probably mean me not exercising. Completely while I'm fasting, maybe I'm thinking. I'm, I, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe you know to try that. But great. I've never, I've never, I've never gone beyond seventy-two. Fidel, um, how can people get in contact with you if they want to connect with you? Well, I've got the uh, Instagram is uh, biohacker sixty-seven. That's my Instagram. Uh, my Facebook is basically my name, Fidel Gonzalez. If you search that, there's not many. And uh, yeah, in London, England, the the location, so you can uh, connect with me on Facebook by that way. I don't use Twitter, so I'm not a Twitter person. I don't really use Twitter. Uh, yeah, and then that's basically the two ways you can get to connect with me, really. Mm. Great, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, looking back on your keto journey, what, if anything, would you do differently? Um, I, I I think I would be less focused on numbers i used to be quite focused and when i first started i was focused on a lot of numbers uh, making sure i hit my macros my ketone um, blood ketone levels i would always want to make sure they're really high and i thought the, the success of my eating was guided by or measured by how many ketones i had that morning and i started to get a bit oh no my ketones are down this is not working for me and all that it's, that's completely and what's what that's what I'm trying to relay to others that um yeah you want to you want to get into you want to be producing ketones but that's not the end all and be all there's so many other benefits of it so yeah yeah, yeah. I would think I'll be less less not more in, more instinctive because I think basically just if you look at it from a perspective of how our ancestors ate you know, do you think they measured calories? Do you think they measured grams? They just looked at the food. If it was nutrient, if it was dense, nutrient dense, if it was natural. But they instinctively went over after the nutrient dense. Dense food, yeah. And that's how they ate. And they were stayed lean and they stayed healthy. And that's mm. how we need to probably go back to that sort of a mindset, you know, yeah. primal ancestral way of eating. And that sort of sounds like one of your um, your top tips is obviously about being intuitive into into yeah. eating, being mindful eating, as well as obviously not chasing the numbers. Have you got any other top tips for someone starting out? Yeah, be patient. I think that's one of the biggest things with changing the way you you you've eaten a specific way, be it a standard Western diet for most of your life, and then you start eating a different way, you know, more ancestral or primal or keto, low carb, whatever you choose, and your body's going to change, your mind's going to change, and you need to be patient because it doesn't happen right away. It took you that long to damage your body, for want of a better word. You're not going to repair it that quick, as quick as you damaged it. You know, it's going to take a while. You know, so, so sometimes you just just be patient and let, and, let, and, and let the process happen. Trust the process. Yeah, and that certainly was for you because you sort of said it took you know that ten 
by the 10th week and then it was really the 11th week that you really noticed yes the the benefits then to kick in so yeah it's yeah. a real testament yeah. to your character that you stayed the course yes it, yeah it was it was a struggle at some point and i thought this is this can't be maybe i'm not doing it right and, and then i went back and looked back into the book looked back into some research and i thought no no you need to give it a bit more time it will happen and when it happens like i said to i said to a lot of people it's like the magic point it's like the magic it's mm-hmm. it's, like, it's fantastic it really works you know you 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 struck up and something good then. Great, Fidel. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us on the fabulously keto podcast. It's been fantastic to have you with us. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's really been nice. Really, really good. Well, that was another great episode. And isn't Fidel a, like a bundle of energy? Yeah, it's he's bouncing off the walls, and we noticed that in the videos with Hiki. His hands were always moving. He couldn't keep still. So he's, yeah, just full of energy. Yeah, full of energy. And it's so great that obviously his low-carb keto lifestyle has really improved his quality of life. And, yeah, it's any sports performance, obviously. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that's very encouraging for other people, especially cyclists who do long runs, to understand that they can tap into their fat and they don't have to con- consistently mm. carb up. And it's also really good that it's nuanced, I suppose. You know, the thing is that he's, he understands his body and his own physiology. He's prepared to obviously use carbohydrates when when needed, you know, and it's really nuanced and tailored to his type of sport and his body, and that's obviously what he's found has worked for him. And I suppose that's an overarching theme is really whatever works for you is okay. There is no one fix-all model of keto and low-carb. No, you definitely have to play around with it and find what works for you. And, you know, you and I are both on a learning journey with our bodies to find different ways and we're always trying different things to see what works for us. Mm, yeah, and that's right. We're, we're all N equals one. So that's that's really what we support and advocate for. So, Jackie, where can we find some of those resources that Fidel mentioned about? So the show notes can be found at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero zero eight so you'll find all those things that fidel has mentioned the tips the resources the books the podcasts and yeah they'll be on the show notes hey jackie you know when you were starting out with keto you probably had loads of questions yeah i do (laughs) don't you wish you just had someone who was able to give you just the simple answers to all those questions about macros electrolytes reading nutrition labels and sweeteners? Absolutely, yeah. Well, we want to have an episode where you, dear listener, can AMA, which stands for Ask Me Anything. You'll be able to ask us anything using a Fabulously Keto webpage where there is a contact form and you could submit your questions, which we will answer on these episodes. The contact page is fabulouslyketo.com forward slash AMA. Whether you're just starting out or experienced in your journey, we will happily answer your questions. You don't have to be new to keto, so if you're further along in your journey and have questions on being stuck on a plateau or a stall, then feel free to submit your questions as well. Just head over to www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash AMA. (laughs) 
It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Follow us on social media. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto One. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know that you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto One and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice, whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not. They're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. Mm-hmm.